This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Here's your host, Alex Nottingham. Welcome to another episode of Dental All-Stars. I want to share with you an excerpt of an interview I did with Dr. Uchi Oriatu called Maximum Energy, How to Fortify Your Day and Your Practice. Take a listen. So let's begin our expert webinar. Tonight we have an amazing guest, really, really fun, um, Dr. Uchi Odiatu, and he is a dentist, DMD. He's an internationally recognized wellness and performance expert, and so this practicing dentist, Uchi, uh, from Toronto, that's why he's so nice, is also a certified personal trainer, you'll see his biceps in a moment, a holistic lifestyle coach, media personality, he was on 2020. Uh, in one of the Canada's uh, AM uh, program, a professional member of the American College of Sports Medicine, and the author of The Miracle of Health. This high-energy dad, okay, of four children and a, a superstar, like, weightlifter wife, uh, um, and, the, and besides that, and also doing over 400 and counting lectures in seven countries over the last 13 years, Wow, amazing. Uh, Dr. Uchi, and so his website is drucci.com. So without further ado, the uh, show is yours, Uchi. Yeah, maximum energy. Thanks. I appreciate that, Alex. I appreciate all that sharing with people and, you know, endorsing me and letting, you know, to validate, you know, why, you know, I deserve to share with your, uh, with your, your peeps. But maximum energy is a passion of mine. I think um, many things I do naturally. However, I always get people pulling me aside at conferences and saying, Uch, how are you still going? It's 10 o'clock at night. Or, Uch, you were up late last night. How are you still going first thing in the morning? So I'm, this is my program. So I'm going to share with you a number of my favorite slides and stories and some really cool studies to share with you how you can maximize your energy, not only in your personal life, but I love the spillover effect to have a more uh, productive professional life. So when I think of energy, I'm thinking about people how I looked up to. I know when I think of uh, uh, people like... Uh, Beyonce and people like Tina Turner. I, I think anyone that's doing neat things at a international level or global level, you know, energy is really ageless. You know, I think of Beyonce here in this picture, she might be 30 years of age. Uh, Tina Turner uh, is uh, probably twice her age. But one thing I have in common is, is energy. And I'm a firm believer uh, that energy is life in motion. And I firmly believe that once you tap into and be able to turn on energy, uh, you'll have more of an impact uh, with your patients, more of an impact with your team, and when you get home after work, you'll have more energy for the family that you love and the reason why we work so hard for it. Um, um, in Canada, we, we, you know, people often make fun of Justin Bieber. I don't know why. I, I heard Deepak Chopra say one time, this is going back 20 years ago, he said, if you make fun of something or judge someone, what you do is you create more of a distance between what you want and yourself. So I'm a huge fan of uh, looking at things I like in someone, and I realize when I look at Justin and say, wow, that guy's got so much life force energy at 23. I think he's worth half a billion dollars. Um, he, was, he was busking in front of a Subway restaurant in 2008. And now he is, you know, nine years later, an international global um, entertainment star. So um, I admire that energy. Um, you know, I love Albert Einstein. He said, nothing happens until what? Something moves. So uh, when people are thinking that when they get tired, they sit still, I'm thinking the body was meant for movement. The body was meant, designed to lift, pull, push, twist, turn, squat, jump, you know, with 600 muscles, you know, 206 bones. We were designed for 
endless, boundless movement. Um, I love looking at Tina Turner. Yeah, when I think of the dentist, we, we have this, all these kinds of passion inside us. We desire to share our skills and our talents with our patients. Uh, but many times, you know, uh, we get up in the morning and uh, we're not sure why. We have, you know, maybe have some student loan debt or motivated to do a six veneer case, but for some reason there's a hesitation. And as soon as you get, you tap into that inner boundless energy, it's amazing how you will never hit the snooze button again, okay? Never hit the snooze button again. That's my wish for you. Um, we make fun of Tom Cruise. I don't know why. I remember I said before, you know, with Deepak Chopra, um, if you are admiring something in him, like I admire his energy, I admire the, the, his ability to live in the moment. And this is why he's worth, you know, 20, 40, 50 million dollars a movie. So um, to think of you, if one of your, your significant other was someplace else in the planet right now, jumping on a couch declaring the love for you, in your crank, you know, why would you make fun of that? You know, I, I love that child's energy. Uh, when I think of Elvis Presley, I'm thinking of pure movement. Um, sting, you know, Sting, late 60s. Look at the biceps on this guy. I think people don't realize that um, once, and I'm going to talk about this later, once you start uh, developing muscle tone, once you start uh, making those muscles move more often, you'll get a lot of your joy and your energy back. Okay. Mick Jagger, love this guy. 50 years in show business. Absolutely incredible. Um, the, you know, the jumping jack flash guy in his early 70s now. Um, incredible, you know, five foot eight, 140 pounds. He looks better in a pair of jeans than most teenagers do, you know, when you think 18, 19, 20 year old guy. But um, let me see where we can back to here. And I'm thinking now of uh, what's gonna turn you into creating a reason. I think many of us want to do a lot of things. I think we want to be productive. We want to be the leader for our team. But I think digging deeper into a, a, a big why you know, any of you heard of Simon Sinek doing a TED talk on the power of why and the ability to dig deep into why. The businesses or leaders that can declare their why and explain it well, and de declare their vision and what they want, it's amazing how you become a lot more convincing and persuasive. And being able to declare your why. Most of us, when we talk about our why, we get pretty emotional. And emotions get people on your side. Uh, when you're passionate, when you are in the present moment talking about your why, you are your most creative. And this is my little daughter, Sage. Um, when I come home from work, this is her uh, maybe five years ago, but when I come home from work, she would often come to the door and I might be a little bit tired, you know, might be a little bit, you know, a little dragging it, you know, it's six, seven o'clock. She'll go, Dad, lift me up. And I lift her up and she goes, spin me around. And I'll spin her around and I put her down. And she goes, again. And I pick her up and I spin her around. And I put her down and she goes, again. And I pick her up and spin her around. And she'll go, again. <laughs> and that, again, is boundless energy, the energy of a child. And many of us admire children. We admire kids. We admire anyone under 10 at barbecues and parties or birthday parties and say, oh, to be youthful again. And I remember that Oscar Wilde quote, you know, uh, youth is wasted on the young. Well, there's a physical reason why people over 40 and over 50 are dragging their butts through the day and tired after lunch and, you know, waning at the bitter end. And this is actually some science now. Uh, the science shows I'm just showing my why here. Okay, thank you for your patience. I appreciate that. But uh, um, when I think of boundless energy, I think of one of my other daughters, Kylie. I brought her to CDA Anaheim a couple of years ago, and she kept me on my, on my toes. You know, I usually I travel alone when I speak, and my wife said to me, don't forget to feed her, okay? But uh, we made it through our three days. It was a great daddy-daughter date. Um, but when I'm thinking of energy and I'm thinking of people who are able to make things happen, I think of um, our you know, our physiology techs from college, you know, I think of mitochondria. You know, when you think of what's made in mitochondria, right, what's made in mitochondria? 
energy, right? And it's ATP, packages of energy. And Michael Colgan, this is in the book um, uh, Saving Your Brain, said by age 60, almost half of our mitochondria are no longer functioning well. Almost half of our mitochondria are no longer functioning well. So that's the whole saying, you know, if you don't, if you don't use, use it, you lose it. Basically, as we get older, moving less, um, expecting less from ourselves, by age 60, almost half of our mitochondria are turned off. So it's like driving an eight-cylinder car with only four cylinders working. You're not going to be able to go as quick. But the good thing for me is, and uh, the, the studies are showing, this is McMaster University, that's a university up in Toronto. Uh, it's a great university, cutting-edge science. It said uh, exercise and resist resistance, resistance training in particular can epigenetically turn back on the genes for the mitochondria that have turned off. They literally epigenetically turn back on the genes. Uh, most of us think our lives and our health are dictated by our genes, but they've shown that epigenetics, which is the study of how lifestyle um, affects how genes express themselves, show that exercise, but resistance training in particular, can turn back on the genes. Um, the American Geriatric Society reported that muscle wasting is a hallmark of older people. Uh, many times we see older patients shoveling in, you know, shuffling out and sitting down slow, going back slow in the chair, they have a list of meds, and I'm not, I'm not besmirching older people, I'm saying many times we act that way and we live down to the low expectation of the fact that we're supposed to move slow as we get older, we're supposed to be sensible, we're supposed to, to do a stubborn walk. But uh, I'm going to show you how, with lifestyle, you can change your expression and not have to live out a society and our cultural belief of what, what it looks like to be over 55, over 60. Uh, this is a view of our hallway in our office. And at the end there, it's funny, we have a door gym at the end. And that little door gym at the end of the hallway there, uh, patients will often ask me during a tour, um, uh, Dr. Viatti, what's that for? And I said, that door gym is where we do our extractions. <laughs> you know? but, uh, and that's tongue-in-cheek. I, I don't do my extractions there. But if you look at the science, I love looking at science. You know, at, in Denmark, they talked about this is the first study of its kind. This is 2012. Because back in 2005, they said the skin is our biggest organ. You know, Mehmet Oz, in his You, the Owner's Manual, said the skin at 10 to 12% of our body weight is the biggest organ. Well, in 2012, they came out and said that muscle is the biggest organ in the body. At almost half of our body weight, so anywhere from 45 to 50%, our muscle, it acts like an organ. And you want to know why? Like, which, why is that? Well, 600 muscles together weigh almost half your body weight. But they release um, a, a chemical called myokines, M-Y-O-K-I-N-E-S. And these myokines, when they're moving and contracting and pulling and tugging on the bones, they exert um, an endocrine-like response to every organ in your body. And it tells every organ you're alive. This is where it's cool. So um, we can actually, actually epigenetically turn back on mitochondria that have turned off. Because as we get over 45, 50, 55, 60, mitochondria are turning off. And we have less energy. But if you're an exerciser, which is, seems great, but when you look at some of the stats, I, I belong to the American College of Sports Medicine. And they said that uh, uh, only less than 10 or less than 15% of us actually exercise regularly. And when they did a study to show how many of those 15% really exercise, they actually put pedometers or accelerometers or Fitbits on these people. And over a 60-day period to find out, do these 10 to 15% self-proclaimed exercisers, do they really exercise? And they find out that only 3% of the population actually exercises. So it's a pretty low, small amount. But the big excuse I find for most busy people, um, no matter how beneficial they know exercise is, is what? Lack of, yeah, you guessed it, time. So um, if your manager of your office uh, does, does uh, their huddles in, in this room, you're not doing well. You know, um, they used to think that multitasking was bragging, but the brain loves doing one thing at a time. You know, the brain loves doing one thing at a time. So this is not a good idea. This is what your front office looks like. Okay. 
Um, just give you an example. Uh, Alex brought her name up earlier. This is Carrie. This is Carrie when she was 30, uh, a photo shoot and, and a workout at the gym. The neat thing is you're thinking, oh, what does she look like now, 17 years later? I got some pictures for you. But um, to give you an idea of what exercise does to your body, and we talk about, you know, energy, a big part of the fact um, beyond uh, the effect on muscles and making you look toned and sleek like Clary is here, exercise boosts a thing in your brain called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor um, facilitates the growth and support and communication between all the 100 billion neurons. So if you want energy, it's fine to be energetic, but if your brain's not going along for the ride, you can be like scattered all over. But what the exercise does is, because it increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, I challenge you to commit that to memory, BDNF. Most physicians don't know what BDNF is, but it's a neurotransmitter that's vitally important if you want to be able to use your brain well. Look what BDNF does. It creates neuroprotection, survival, axonal, and dendritic growth. Basically, it encourages brain plasticity or neuroplasticity. This is awesome. In a four-month study uh, with a functional magnetic resonance imaging, they actually showed that people as seniors, if they worked out over four months with aerobic exercise, it boosted cerebral blood flow and connectivity in the hippocampus. The hippocampus, I might remind you, or you might not know this, hippocampus is the ultimate part of your brain that's responsible for the processing memory. It puts short-term information into long-term memory. Um, a key diagnosis of the Alzheimer's brain on autopsy is a shrunken hippocampus. We all know when the first signs of Alzheimer's or dementia or cognitive decline is a smaller hippocampus or a poor memory. So um, exercise has the ability to keep your hippocampus, what, full like you had in your youth. The kids forget things. The kids ever forget what the name of the thing that uh, the clicker dicker, the thing that turns the channel on the TV? No. But over 40, pass me the, um, the, uh, the, the you know, the, uh, the thing. Kids go, mom, pass me the remote, you know. But um, I love the book called Spark. If you want to know, if you want to know more information about this, Spark is written by John Rattay, uh, author of um, uh, Spark, the new exercise of uh, science of the revolution. Uh, Harvard trained and a psychiatrist in Harvard talked about the fact that when you have two people of equal ability, so two dentists of equal ability, two hygienists of equal ability, two consultants of equal ability. The consultant, the dentist, the hygienist, the assistant, the front office person who exercises, if they're of equal ability, the exerciser will always outperform the non-exerciser. You get that? So if you have two people that have equal ability, the exerciser will always outperform the non-exerciser. Intuitively know this. If you're a manager wanting to hire someone, they get two hygienists of equal ability, equal credentials, equal ability, maybe you have a restorative hygienist, both of them restorative hygienists. If one of them had marathon runner, 10K uh, gymnast, you're going to hire that person intuitively knowing that the exerciser will be able to go after the hard ones. Okay, but ultimately the science shows it's, it's BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Uh, that's the book spark there that I love. Um, I read it, I got the audio. Uh, John Rattay is amazing. Um, to give an example of what Carrie looked like, you'll probably think of when you see Carrie, did she always look amazing? This is her at age 21 in 1991 graduating from the Faculty of Physical Education. This is probably her grad. You see her there with a the beard. Uh, about 155, 5'5". Five five. Not in shape at all. Didn't exercise, didn't do a burpee, couldn't do a chin-up. But somehow, because she's becoming a phys ed teacher, she said, I can't believe I don't look like a person that could have the energy to lead a class in phys ed. But also, I'm not congruent with my message. So she hired a dietitian uh, 25 years ago at $60 an hour. When you think of all the dentists with excuses on why they can't have a trainer, um, she hired a dietitian, lost 22 pounds, entered a, a running competition and won. And, uh, you know, as the story goes, she ends up in this fitness universe um, uh, eight, seven years later. Amazing. I think most people, when they undergo a diet or they want to do an exercise plan or New Year's, they always overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate 
what they can do in a, a decade. Uh, let me just show you another picture here because Kerry is quite the champion here. He's going to go to, um, oh, got, got Flora. Uh, it gives a true meaning to you are what you eat, okay? Um, a big part of us, what we don't realize, and one of the newest things in science to show you how much your gut affects your energy level, uh, the mi human microbiome, there's a called the Human Microbiome Project that was completed in 2012 at the National Institute of Health. This was funded, funded by the Obama administration and they completed the first phase. What they found out was, they're saying the microbiome, your gut flora, your 110 trillion cells in your body, there's 10 trillion human cells, 100 trillion bacterial cells. Uh, basically, the bacteria in your body, the single cell bacteria, outnumber your human cells 10 to 1. Well, they're saying they exert such a large effect on your organs, how you feel, your digestion, um, how you, metabol you metabolize food, your thinking, your feelings, that they're now calling it an organ. They're saying your microbiome, your gut flora, actually acts like an organ in your body. So you are what you eat. Many times we think we're feeding our cells, even we're feeding our bacteria. They digest the food and their metabolites we use and it makes neurotransmitters. Any more about that later. Um, when, I, when I think of um, exercise, when I think of the ability to raise energy, uh, there's some studies where they've shown um, there are trillions of bacteria in our cells. Uh, they modulate genes. They've actually shown that um, your bacteria in your stomach and your microbiome has as much effect on your health um, as your genes do. To give you an idea how much most of us don't think about bacteria, but in the next couple of slides, I'm going to share with you, I'm going to give you some new information. You're going to be ahead of a lot of the, what um, the mainstream healthcare providers know because this is so brand new. Yeah, the human microbiome is literally shaking the foundation of medicine. It's shaking the foundation of nutrition. But there's evidence to show that people who exercise um, influences your microbes. So when you think exercise is good for you, we know that. But I'm not changing what kind of exercise. I'm just saying that exercise um, is liked and loved by your microbiome. Um, they've actually done animal studies where they've shown that mice with access to wheels, so if you think of a mice, mouse running on a wheel, those people, those mice with acting on a wheel compared to people, mice in cages with no wheel, they produce twice as many short-chain fatty acids, SCFAs. Short-chain fatty acids are the metabolites, when your bacteria eats the food, omega-3s, kale, quinoa, fish, all that other stuff, when they digest the food, the metabolites are called short-chain fatty acids. Your bacteria make twice as many short-chain fatty acids. This is my study. So the mice's bacteria make twice as many. So they extrapolate that to human studies. Many times that's why they study mice, because mice are easy to study, because the average amount of mouse lives about two years. So they can do a whole lifetime of what the effects are on something and extrapolate that to humans. Anyway, this, this is wild. Uh, not much studies in this area already. One of the most recent, most powerful is in 2014. And they showed that rugby players in Ireland um, had a more diverse bacteria uh, population in their stomachs than inactive people. And you think, I'm a dentist, I'm a hygienist, what difference does that make? Well, the more diverse your bacteria is, the more energy you'll have because your bacteria will be able to extract more nutrients from your food and make more short-chain fatty acids. These are SCFAs. I don't expect you to understand all this already because it's very brand new. At the same time, just know that exercise is good for you, but ultimately exercise is affecting your microbiome or the bacteria, which are 10 times in number than your human cells. Okay. Uh, to give you an idea now, when I think of um, people feeling tired, and many of us, you know, we feel tired and sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't think we have enough energy for the afternoon. You know, we have some big cases coming up. Many of us like to think we're productive in the morning. I'm showing you how you can double your productivity because if you get outside at lunchtime, if you do some exercise instead of working on your insurance plan, it's amazing how you can actually 
we get your, your productivity back in the afternoon. I do things like go out for a walk in the sun. We've actually shown that walking in the sun has an effect and it changes and resets your circadian rhythm and it has an effect on a part of your brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Don't have to memorize that, but it's a, it's a part of your hypothalamus. And when you get bright light on your skin, a bright light goes into your eyes, into your brain, your body has a wake-up call. So one way to have more energy in the afternoon is to head outside at lunchtime. Just get some bright sun on your skin and your face and wake up your brain. I'm just going to show you a little video of what happens when uh, people get excited at our office. And you talk about birds of a feather flock together. This is why a 30-year veteran hygienist who says, Ooch, I want to get up and do some chin-ups. So I got her up on the uh, chin-up bar. And this is little Carolyn uh, going to town here. She's going for it. These are assisted chin-ups. I know she's not doing them on her own. This is the first time she's doing them. 30-year veteran hygienist. Look at this. Look at this lady. I'm not going to say quite how old she is, but she totally inspires me. And you know what? The rest of the day, she was jacked up. It was like she had like a Vente Starbucks. That's absolutely crazy. Um, uh, the other effect I have fitness on the person is everyone knows that uh, dentistry is full of stress. And the first thing audiences always love to say, whether I'm speaking in Copenhagen or, or Quebec or Vancouver, uh, I'll say dentists have the highest, and people always like to finish it off, suicide rate. So let me share with you how you can actually lower the stress response, lower the anxiety and depression, and make us function better in the eye of the storm because stress sabotages your body. Uh, when you get elevated cortisol, it beats your body up. It causes chemical changes in your brain. It disrupts, it shrinks your hippocampus. Um, it lowers your energy. Um, basically, stress is meant to be felt for 30 seconds. You run or fight or you freeze. Anything longer, it's sapping your energy. So let me show you how fitness and the science behind how, how uh, exercise uh, reboots your system. Um, one of the first studies in 2010, they did it on police officers and firefighters. And they, everyone knows and acknowledge that there's a higher mortality rate amongst police officers and firefighters. There's Karen IR with our favorite first responders there in, uh, in, uh, over in Western Canada. It showed that um, when you have increased cortisol from being stressed out in a crisis situation, um, think of that recent tragedy in, in, in Vegas where everyone's shooting and uh, with a, you know, a gunman shooting at the crowd. Cortisol is going through the roof. Basically, um, we're elevated. You want to run, flee, hide, or fight. And people are immobilized. So the body has no dimmer switch when it comes to cortisol. Either you're jacked up and want to fight or run, or you're at peace. So the dimmer switch happens because what they've shown is fit firefighters and fit police officers have a lower cortisol response to, be, to their unfit counterparts, which means that trained people or people who exercise regularly stay still in the eye of the storm. Staying still in the eye of the storm means you have more access to both sides of your brain. You have more access to have a more powerful response to emergency situation. You can make better decisions. You act like a CEO in a crisis. When everyone else is losing their heads, trained people stay still, and they have access to their left and right brain. And they've shown that fit firefighters have a low cortisol response and uh, are better able to respond well in emergency situations. And this is the first study of its kind. This is, this is wild. And it was the American College of Sports Medicine. Um, I love Albert Einstein. I think most people, when they say when they get stressed out, they want to stop and have a beer or have a coffee to reboot the systems. One of the best things you can do is when life gets tough, you do what? You keep moving. You just keep going. Okay. Um, okay. This is the idea of my office. I'm not bragging. I'm just sharing with you what happens. You know, when you when someone like Michael Jordan joins a team, everyone rises. I love that John F. Kennedy quote. He said, "When the tide comes in." 
all ships rise together. And these are the dentists at our office. Look at this. Not that we could be Chippendales, but hey, almost. You know, Magic Mike is not that far away. But here we are at a gym. One of our staff outings, guess what we do? We go to the gym. We're at a big, big, amazing gym in our area in Toronto. And we work out for the day. Uh, yoga, working out. There we are on the bottom here. We have, um, we have a periodontist there. That huge guy on the far right is uh, Jason. Uh, amazing guy. I'll have you show him and do chin-ups later. But you're probably thinking that we work out for hours and hours every day. Um, maximum I work out is an hour. Um, the only workout I did yesterday was an hour of hot yoga. And to give you an idea of why, it's because I want to live a long life. I have a lot of things to, I want to do. There's a legacy I want to leave. I have four children, 11, 9, 5, and 2-year-olds. And there's a legacy I want to leave. And I can only do that if I'm alive. And I can only do that if I'm in a position where I'm staying still in the eye of the storm. Uh, let me show you this, um, uh, this one study, huge study, 4,300 people. I'm only giving you the best current research, okay? And these are older people. It was done on 50 to 69-year-olds over 20 years. What they found out was when they divided these 4,300 people into five groups, people that don't exercise, people that only exercise for 30 minutes a day, people that exercise, um, sorry, 30 minutes once a week, people that exercise three times a week, four times a week, and every day, the biggest jump in benefit was from doing nothing to walking 30 minutes a week. So when people went from doing no exercise whatsoever to walking 30 minutes a week, they reduced their cardiovascular mortality by 47%. Not 4.7%, but 47%. This is incredible. I think it's, so think of that. So you're not doing anything. Your dentist who's tired, your hygienist who's tired, your consultant who's tired, uh, assistant who's tired, front office person who's tired, and you think, how much working out do we have to do? Well, this study here, 2009, American College Sports Medicine, showed that by going from nothing to 30 minutes once a week, can reduce your cardiovascular mortality by 47%. You're thinking big deal, 47%? Well, every 37 seconds, an American dies of heart disease. Uh, heart disease and cardiovascular disease is the biggest killer. You know, one in three of us will die from heart attack or myocardial infarction. So I'm saying you can reduce your um, MI risk by 47% by walking 30 minutes a week. I'm really trying to make it seem easy here, and I'm a very gentle coach, but I'm also showing you how easy the body wants to be your friend again. It hates being the enemy. You know, that movie Sleeping with the Enemy with Julie Roberts, where your body wants to be your best friend. And the best way to, is to be a best friend is to pay it some attention. Another example of how little you've got to do. This is an Ohio State um, university study. They looked at 55,000 runners. Like, these are no small studies I'm showing you. But it showed uh, the best benefit from exercising in terms of running only. They thought the biggest, safest way to improve your, your, um, uh, your cardiovascular health was to the people that ran 10 minutes a day, okay? Not an hour a day, not two hours a day, but the people who ran 10 minutes a day. And at any speed, basically they're saying any more than that, you increase your chance of getting hurt, and you increase your chance of being a runner over a lifetime is reduced because of plantar fasciitis, meniscus issues, ACL tears, hip issues, lower back tears. So running at any speed, 10 minutes a day, reduces your heart attack risk. Love showing these pictures. That's me doing, um, I did, I was part of a, um, uh, uh, we did a, I didn't do run the marathon, but I was part of a team that ran the marathon. Look at those quads, hey, that's uh, back when I was 38 years old, back when I was 38 right there. Um, there's me with my little daughter, uh, Kylie, uh, about 10 years ago. Um, I'm showing you this because I'm going to show you about interval training. It's, it's one way to get um, exercise in today when you're a busy person. Um, I love this book. It's called, I don't have the, the cover here, but actually it's called uh, The One Minute Workout. And The One Minute Workout celebrates interval training. And let me share with you the exact science behind it. Um, interval training is one way to get aerobic training into your day without doing an hour. Everyone thinks you need to do an hour. Remember back a few slides ago, I said that walking 30 minutes a week reduces your cardiovascular mortality by 47%.
I showed you an Ohio study how you can reduce your um, cardiovascular disease risk by 40% by, if you want to run less than 10 minutes a day. I'm saying interval training combined with resistance training, so doing cardio and weight training, because there's three components to exercise, aerobic exercise, resistance training, and flexibility training. Well, look at what it improves insulin sensitivity for. Um, HDL improves low-density cholesterol. It lowers blood pressure. This is high-intensity interval training. It, it, boosts, it boosts your ability to fat burn because of a thing called EPOC, excess post-oxygen energy consumption. Excess post-oxygen energy, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, EPOC. And the mitochondria enlarge. And, and, and look by how much, almost 50%, and look how much they increase in number. Absolutely crazy. Um, so mitochondria, remember, there's our energy fat packets, energy factors in every cell on our, on our human cells. Well, when you think of, you can increase the number and the size of them by 35 to 50%. That's crazy. And that's why interval training in particular, which is the alternating of low and high intensity. And Alex, I can make this um, article that I wrote. It's a five-page article available for your, um, your people after. Okay. Um, and, uh, these are some of my, my heroes here, Lenny Kravitz from uh, uh, Cantrip Pro. Uh, let me show you why I think people often have excuses to working out. Um, when I travel, I used to miss the odd workout because I didn't have my runners with me. So one day I said, you know what, I'm not going to use not having my gear with me as an excuse. So I wore my black shiny dress shoes um, into the gym and uh, into the hotel gym. One way, if you want to work out alone and you want to empty a gym of people and you want some alone time, wear some black shiny dress shoes and combine that with a pair of shorts and black socks. People run on like flies, okay? Um, but I got smarter. I now use um, uh, flip-flops, which are easy to pack because I hate checking in luggage. I hate you know, wasting time with my connections and probably missing a connection. But um, this is one of, uh, one of the people my, uh, my wife coaches um, up in Toronto. He's an American, but he coaches them online. Um, he's showing me a picture of himself, and I love when people, you know, I'm the accountability partner for so many people. Uh, this is him wearing his dress shoes, and he's working out in the gym with his dress shoes on, no excuses. I love people saying no excuses. I don't care if you don't have your runners with you. I worked out in uh, dress pants, my black shoes, and uh, undershirt simply because I'm not going to make it as an excuse. Okay, let's go to the third component of fitness. This is my dad, uh, awesome man, passed away in 2010. Uh, much of what I say and what, what I'm passionate about with exercise is, is in honor of him. He, he remember being six or seven years old in England, where I was born, um, getting all the kids to come down in the basement, and he had us um, said, we're going to do some yoga. And I'm thinking, Dad, this is not cool. I'm in grade one, not yoga. And he said, it relaxes your mind and it opens up your heart for learning. And he was about um, 50 years ahead of the science of what it's been taught now. But love the guy, and, and when he passed away in 2010, I had done his eulogy, and I came back to uh, Toronto, and a little bit lost, as anyone who's ever lost a parent has, you feel a little bit lost. And um, I was driving around kind of aimlessly one day, and I stopped, and I stopped in front of a building, and it said Moksha Yoga. And I wasn't doing yoga at the time, but I thought I'd step in, and I knew that my, uh, uh, I could not do this, this is me a year later, but I was very intimidated by, um, by the yoga people, but I joined and I got an unlimited 30-day pass. And I went from doing the shaking worst downward dog ever, to here I am doing a humble warrior 12 months later. And to this day now, seven years later, I am doing yoga two to three times a week in a hot room. It's great in terms of uh, not, I don't know a soul. I don't have to put any pretenses on. Uh, many times I'm the only guy in the room. And I realized that I really wanted to keep building my practice patient base. If, as soon as anyone finds out I'm a dentist, guess what they ask me? Do you have a card? Because most people think, you know, a male dentist who does yoga, not being sexist, but a male dentist who does yoga must be gentle. So I could be like Drake or Justin Bieber at a rave. I could literally be, you know, sending out my cards after my uh, downward dog because people are curious. Anyway, that's not, I'm not after new patients, but if you are looking for new patients, 
go to yoga class. And if you really want to get your patients, go to a different yoga studio two, three times a week and put the name of your office on, on your butt so when you're doing your downward dog, you can advertise at the same time. A little bit cheaper than SEO, I think. But, uh, and then to keep up with my wife, this is Carrie in 1999 at age 30. And here she is at age 45 after having uh, you know, four kids, you know, looking leaner and still able to do what she does, keeping up with the kids because she has her mitochondria still pumping out what? ATP. Um, and all kinds of ways to train. You know, there's all kinds of studies that show how you increase your shoulder flexibility, you, you decrease your lower back pain, increase hamstring flexibility, you lower your body fat. These are all things that are important to dentists. When I think a lot of dentists have a huge amount of disability claims um, from musculoskeletal disorders. Yoga is so amazing at uh, allowing your muscles to become more limber and toned and more flexible as little as an hour, um, uh, uh, an hour three times a week. Um, and here I am, you know, being very motivated. I, my yoga teacher said, for every inch you can't touch the floor, it's a year off your life. So I got very motivated, and here I am touching my toes, okay. <laughs> but um, I don't want to stretch your thinking here, because uh, many of us think, ooch, not doing yoga, it's not what I do. I played, you know, NCAA, NCAA football. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't do the downward dog. I'm not certainly not going to do an upward dog. Um, I'm, let me give you an example of a different way of doing stretching. Um, many of us brush our teeth, right? I hope you brush your teeth. Uh, with, with a manual brush, most of us are doing it what? 45 seconds, that's what they say, the stats show 45 seconds in the morning, 45 seconds at night. I found a way, when I use my power brush, I remember I went to my uh, chiropractor and he said, uh, um, unless you start stretching, which is back in about 10 years ago, before yoga, he said, you gotta make time to stretch. He goes, your, your, your hip flexors are tight, your, your butt is flat, uh, you look like you have glute amnesia, which is a physiological term where it says your butt has forgotten how to fire. Your butt is the most uh, powerful muscle in your body, and unless it's firing well, you literally start walking like Woody Allen. You start walking like a Woody Allen. And anything but a person that can lead a team to a new vision. Okay. So anyway, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start using my Sonicare. And I started stretching when I'm, I put my leg up on the counter, stretching for two minutes at a time. I used the quad pacer. And I've now affectionately called, it's my own, I called it the Sonicare stretch. And I did the math. I thought, you know, is this really going to make an impact? And I did the math. I did two minutes twice a day. That's four minutes a day. And over a year, it's about 1,460 minutes. Yeah, I'm a geek. I'm a dentist. I'm a geek. I did the math. It adds up to one full day a year of stretching. So it's incredible how stretching two minutes twice a day with my, with my Philip Sonicare there, doing my quad pacing, I changed my feet up. And there's many ways you can stretch. You don't have to just do this hamstring stretch here. You can put your foot on the toilet. You can do a Bulgarian squat. You can do balance training, all kinds of things. But I'm really sharing with you how you can literally not run an empty. Because if you're not doing cardiovascular exercise, some kind of aerobic exercise, and some kind of flexibility training, you're not doing your body justice. Thank you to our guest, and thanks for listening to this podcast. Stay on for a quick introduction to the benefits of All-Star Dental Academy's training program. Years ago, you could just open up a practice and be a great clinician and patients would come. But dentistry is changing in a big way. How do you stay competitive? you have to improve your practice's customer service skills. But you retain little from seminars, and having someone come to your office can be expensive. So what's the answer? All-Star Dental Academy. We put practice management training online, available 24-7 in a systematic, done-for-you process that just works. It is the most comprehensive online training program in the industry. Don't take our word for it. We are partners and member benefits with a variety of leading industry groups. Unfortunately, 97% of dentists train their team less than once a year, if ever. 
gain a competitive advantage and join the top 1% of dentists that train consistently. But we didn't stop with team training. Dentists acknowledge that they are not great at business. To compete with corporate practices, you need to be great at dentistry and the business of dentistry. So we created the All-Star Dental MBA to systematically upgrade your skills in leadership, management, marketing, and more. Get in touch and let's talk about how All-Star Dental Academy can help you improve phone conversion, banish broken appointments, build and keep an all-star team, and be the best you possible. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.